This episode of Little Bit of Life podcast is sponsored by East Hills Casuals. In June of 2020, a mother and daughter duo came up with the idea to build a sustainable company focusing on providing high quality clothing for women. She remembers sitting around the table in their Burlington Township home and sparking a discussion about how to accomplish this goal together. From that table talk, East Hills Casuals was born. After a year of planning and some minor setbacks, East Hills Casuals was formed. They now have a virtual online store that is headquartered in New Jersey. In 2020, they transformed their idea from paper to interacting with American manufacturers, and their top priority was to highlight American designers and manufacturers and bringing you the best options as a female with great customer expectation. They are incredible, and they have partnered with so many different creators from Los Angeles all the way to New York to bring their customers the best apparel possible. I am absolutely in love with their clothing brands, and they give us women a sense of fashion, comfort, and style without having to break the bank and find the best options available from amazing creators and designers from Los Angeles to New York and brought right to your door. Make sure you order today on their website at www.easthillscasuals.com and start your shopping escapade today. Welcome to Little Bit of Life podcast. I'm your host, Tabitha, better known as Little on social media. A lot of you may know me from social media, but Little is shown off the apps. This podcast is dedicated to having the real, raw, and occasional chats on topics of what we seem to think but don't say. Special guests will join in that have impacted me along the way. Very little is left off limits. Enjoy on your favorite streaming platform, watch live videos of interviews on YouTube, and let's dive into some topics together. Hey guys, welcome into another episode, Little Bit of Life podcast here with your host, Little. I have on an amazing guest today. She's an incredible woman. Her strength is impeccable. Her name is Tara Newell. Does that name sound familiar to you? What about if I bring up the show that was on everybody's watch list, Dirty John? How about now? It is because the show, Dirty John, was from Tara Newell's Real Life Encounters. Her mom married John after only two months. But on August 20th of 2016, Tara and her family's life changed forever. She was warned by her sister that she saw John in town. And not only did he stalk her, but he attacked her when she came home from work in a parking lot. And that is when Tara's life changed forever. But we're going to talk not only about what happened on that dreadful day, but how she is choosing to change the life of others through her new podcast, The Survivor Squad, talking about trauma, talking about healing, and giving a safe place for those that have been through trauma and need a safe place to land. Sit back and enjoy today's very special episode with guest Tara Newell. Hey guys, welcome into another episode, Little Bit of Life podcast with your host, Little. I have on an incredible guest with me today. Not only do we have the same last name, which is wild to me, trust me, I'm probably going to be diving into that family tree here pretty soon, but her name is Tara. And if you have seen a lot of those shows and a lot of the social media, different 
you know, adaptations and there's many different articles, you can kind of get an idea of what trauma is for someone. But when we really sit down and talk to someone, that's when it really opens up. I want to invite Tara Newell on today. Hi, how are you? I'm really glad to have you on with us. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. And it's crazy that we have the same last name. I was like, okay, someone asked me about you actually before Carol put us in contact. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I wonder if we are related. I know. I've even like reached out to family members like, okay, does anyone know who this is? Are we like, are are she like a long distant cousin or something? Like, are we related? So our last name is not something you see very often. So seeing that I was like, oh my goodness, this is meant to be. (laughs) When we have seen the series uh, Dirty John, it is not only something that so many people watched and really clung to, but it's about your life and your family. So we want to talk about that just a little bit, but also this episode is talking about trauma and how trauma can not only affect us on the day-to-day, but how we use the trauma and actually better ourselves in the future. So with um, your family and with your mother, your mom met John um, early back and they got married after two months. So a pretty short amount of time. Yes, a very short amount of time. I just met him. I had a fight with him and then she got married right after, which was the plan of his because then he isolated my sister and I and then there wasn't really other people buzzing in her ear being like I hate this guy Mm -hmm. were you really protective of your mom like once that kind of came up you're just like this is too fast I mean I know I would be with my my mother I'd be like this is too fast what are you thinking what are you doing was that kind of how you were with your mom at first I was like I I don't know what's going on. I'm just going to try to give him a fair chance. But mm-hmm. we didn't know that they got married until like a year down the line. So we didn't know about that whatsoever. So mm-hmm. we didn't have that to be like, what? Mm. And with John, he had a pretty bad past. It was something where he wasn't really who he said he was. There was a lot of things that you guys encountered and found out. And it was something that, you know, from what I'm reading, you warned your mom a little bit. How did she take that? I can only imagine getting advice. We're the children giving advice to our parents. It's supposed to be the other way around, especially when it comes to dating. Yes, 100%. And you don't listen to your child. Mm -hmm. (laughs) most of the time you don't listen to them you know you're the person that's supposed to be wiser smarter and you know sometimes we learn different things and we're able to be better in certain areas you know we're able to learn certain ways learn certain techniques that are newer and modern to us and our parents may not be aware of them yet So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's really important to listen to your children, listen Mm -hmm. to your children, validate them. And I do understand from my mom why she didn't listen to us at first, because we did have a lot of problems with a lot of her boyfriends and a lot of her boyfriends were not the greatest guys. Mm -hmm. So it's like this constant of your daughters calling you out on your toxic patterns and that gets overwhelming and annoying after a while. Mm-hmm. I'm sure as a parent too, it's like you almost feel, okay, is it just because you don't like this person or, you know, we see it so many times that you just don't want me dating, you know, is my attention being taken off, you know, especially when it comes to mother and daughters were very close. So I'm sure that was very difficult for her to see that. 
but you just had a gut feeling. Something just wasn't right. And you just kind of knew it once you started kind of seeing how they were interacting. Um, towards the end of their relationship, your mom, I mean, when we look at it, your mom was in a very toxic, like you said, toxic situation. And when you're dealing with somebody that has, you know, narcissistic tendencies and very manipulative, it's very hard because it affects everyone around them. Oh, 100%. And what John was, was a psychopath. He was a serial perpetrator. He went after so many women. He turned around so many situations where there was this in one incident where he actually attacked a woman and he fell down, broke his teeth. She had to pay for his veneers. She paid for him. Yes. So wow. he was able to turn around everything on every woman that he was ever been in contact with and even men because he would threaten lawyers. He would get them disbarred. He had a lot of power for just being one person. That's scary. When you think about the power of somebody has with their words and their actions, that is that is the manipulation at its finest, which is very scary. So especially towards the end of the relationship and from what I've, you know, read and stuff like that, it's something where he was very much stalking and watching and waiting, not only your mom, but also your family. Did you, were you aware of that or was it just something you're like, he's just one of those, he's just never going to go away? It was one of those where I would always look over my shoulder and then I would Mm -hmm. be like, someone's behind me, someone's behind me. Oh, I'm literally, I was going through a breakup at the time. Well, I got out of breakup and then I was going through it because I was with that person for five years. And then I was really struggling with my identity and figure out who I am and how I need to learn to cope and deal with my trauma, even from the past. Mm -hmm. So I would walk alone at night, like from the bars and I would be like, someone's watching me. And I felt like he was. Uh, I feel like there was a little bit of proof. I don't know if it was that one time, but he was definitely watching me when I would go hiking. And he would watch me sometimes at work, I believe. Um, So he would know the layout of the land and know my schedule. And then he would go stalk my mom and my sister. But, you know, me speculating that he would watch me at my work is because of like certain things. Mm-hmm. I don't have a hundred percent proof, but it's really it's really crazy what your intuition picks up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's something I always say, your gut, you always have to follow it. Your gut will always tell you something. That intuition kicks in. And it can be in the most random moments where you may not even understand it. But I think the human intuition is so powerful, especially in moments where Like you said, you may have put yourself, you're at work, you're safe, but something just doesn't feel right, which brings us to August 20th, 2016. It's the day that changed your life forever. What happened? So I was trying to go to the Jason Aldean concert that night. (laughs) (laughs) And so I literally had someone call to make an appointment for their dogs and they were a no-show, which I believe that call was John back we... 100% believe that call was John because he had a fake French accent and that's also why I know he was stalking me on the hiking trails because I met two Rhodesian Ridgebacks and he called about those dogs. Hmm. So those dogs were a no-show. So that messed up my schedule. (laughs) Little did Mm -hmm. he know. He was calling to really get my schedule, but 
he messed up my schedule by making that appointment. And I went home early, got ready, like a little bit ready, just like put on foundation and blush and then came back to work early so that I could leave early to go to the concert. And then I left about like 515, 510. Mm -hmm. And I get home. I park in my parking lot. My dog's barking. I look over and there's a guy with a tire iron and he's fidgeting through his trunk. And I tell my dog to knock it off because I feel like it's like a homeless guy. And Mm -hmm. then I park in my parking spot. I get out of my car. He grabs me by the waist, looks me in the eyes and said, do you remember me? I look up. It's John. I don't say anything. I just try to escape him. And then I ended up falling on my back. Um, and then he was on top of me. At this point, I was aware that he had a knife and he was trying to stab me. And I was able to kick the knife out of his hand. My dog was attacking his ankles. And then the knife fell on my right hand side. I picked it up and I just started wailing on him. And I killed him in self-defense. Mm-hmm. With a lot of the social media and articles, it says one of your favorite shows was The Walking Dead. And when we when we watch and, you know, Walking Dead, I, I was a huge fan of it. And it's something where in that moment, you said you learned a lot about even just watching that show. It was that in, intuition and you just had that instinct of just self-defense. You have to save yourself, especially in that moment. Yeah, it was this save or be saved kind of thing, this – um or this, um, what do they say on this show? Why am I blanking? But it's um, <laughs> this kill or be killed there. Yeah. It's this kill or be killed mentality. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, that is so true. I was going to lose my life if I didn't fight and if I didn't defend myself. And if I didn't kill this guy in self-defense, he would still be torturing my family and other women to this day. Mm-hmm. After that incident occurred, how was it with law enforcement? I mean, when we hear about traumatic experiences like this, we don't really talk to you as the victim you were in that moment. How was it going through law enforcement and with the interviews and having to go through that situation because it's so traumatic for you? I felt like I was being accused of something. They weren't the kindest to me, but then I'm 5'2 and this guy's dead. So I mean, Mm -hmm. it doesn't look good for me. However, I never went to a grand jury or anything because I had a bunch of 911 calls that were confirming what had happened. Hmm. And a lot of people saw from their balconies. So after they went through all of that evidence as well, I was cleared and I didn't have to do anything. But I did get interrogated. When I was in the hospital and they didn't allow me to get medical care in a sense. Like I was wrapped up, but like they didn't give me stitches or anything. And then at one point when I was able to get stitches, I told them I didn't want to get stitches without my mom there. They told Mm -hmm. me that my mom went to be with her husband And, um, so like I was upset over that and Mm -hmm. the truth was they told her that she needed to go identify him 
because that's what you do in this type of situation is you have to identify the person, especially if you're quote unquote still married to them. Mm-hmm. When you go through such a traumatic experience, this isn't something that, you know, with therapy, medication, there's so many other natural ways that you can deal with this, but so many people don't understand that it doesn't just heal you. You're not cured. It's not, you know, it doesn't just leave your memory. So how has this traumatic experience affected your life? Was it something I can only imagine looking over your shoulder for long periods of time, being nervous, having anxiety or anything like that? A lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) I had panic attacks. I was in shock at first. And so I convinced everybody. I was like, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. You guys worry about yourself. You know, don't worry about me. I'm good. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of hits. And then I had panic attacks, like screaming, like panic attacks. Um, I got into an altercation with my sister and that ended me up leaving and going to Texas actually and living there for a little bit. So I, there was a lot of things that I, like certain noises, like I still mm-hmm. to this day, I like, I don't want to be in crowds. I don't like to go to bars, like bars aren't my thing. I think if you go to the Daily Mail, there's like an article of me getting grabbed at a bar. <laughs> Mm. and so I'm just like I don't like bars and it's just like you know drunk guys just like grab girls sometimes which that's Mm -hmm. never okay that's never okay but it still happens you know Mm -hmm. and these I'm not a fan of alcohol to be honest but if you drink like do you just please don't get drunk and then grab people (laughs) yeah yeah being that this happened to you, and this is something that's changed your life forever. How does this work as a female's perspective in dating and relationships? Is it something that's also caused a little bit of conflict and have anxiety? I can only imagine, you know, dating and kind of going into that world of, you know, this happened to you. One, how do you explain, hey, this happened to me and you have this incredible story, but two, has that kind of carried over into the anxiety and kind of being comfortable or being almost like readily aware all the time of your surroundings? Yes, I'm very hypervigilant all the time. In fact, in yoga the other day, a man laid next to me. And my sister was also supposed to, like, confront her abuser during that time. Mm -hmm. And it was my abuser, too, as a child um, because we were molested as a child. And so I just was like, I want to punch him in the face. I want to literally push him over when I'm doing, like, warrior pose. I'm like, can I just shove him? (laughs) You're like, this is going to be my form of yoga. Let me just do this to just center myself. Right? But instead, I was like, I can't shove the guy. I can't have physical contact with someone, you know, that will get you kicked out of your yoga studio. And maybe, like, he might press charges and stuff. And it's absolutely not okay to harm someone that's, like, never has intended harm to you either. So I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, this is my own personal problem. (laughs) I'm just going to lay down and breathe through this. Yeah, Because I needed to sit with the uncomfortable feeling in my body and let myself process why I hated him. Hmm. Why I hated a random guy next to me. 
So have you found that yoga for you is very therapeutic and it's something that has really helped you through dealing, not only dealing with the trauma, but also finding who you are and going through this process as well? A hundred percent. I think that yoga is very therapeutic to honestly anyone dealing with trauma. I have talked to so many people and I used to be this way too. I was like, I hate yoga. I don't want to sit here. It's like, you're just sitting with everything but it's like mm-hmm. you have to practice sitting with those emotions like those emotions are always going to live in your body the body is always going to keep the score the body is mm-hmm. always going to hold that trauma so it's better to learn how to breathe into it work with that trauma and sit with it and then I also believe that you should also do a combination workout and like do cardio in your workout because it's good to get that fight mode out and you're like working through it that way where yoga you kind of have to sit through it when you get into your fight or flight or freeze fawn mode and you have to like work through breathing through that which Mm -hmm. the breathing especially in the exhale will help you control your breath control your heart rate and that will help you control your mind so I think yoga is super important for like the mind body connection as well Yeah. It sounds like you're finding that healthy balance between your emotions and then what's going on in your brain. Because for me, my brain never shuts off ever. And it always seems to kind of overcome emotions sometimes. So it's finding out that balance for sure. Yeah. And even doing stuff like meditation and learning to sit with that too, that is actually going to help rebuild your your brain back to the Mm -hmm. chemical balance it was before trauma as well. Hmm. When the network chose to do this series... What was your thought on that? Did you find it to be a good idea? Because you're like, okay, now like everybody kind of knows my family business. Did they follow kind of the life or did obviously they they more kind of script it towards entertainment? So the LA Times, when they did the series of articles, they did the podcast. Um, we weren't mm-hmm. aware it was going to be a podcast and we just didn't know about podcasts or anything. So mm-hmm. we found out a couple of weeks beforehand that basically it was going to be turned into a podcast. Us not knowing, we're like, oh, sounds great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it ends up um, now has like over 90 million listens. And I was excited about the series, to be honest, at first, mm-hmm. because it was with the production company that produced Survivor Squad, or not Survivor Squad, that's my podcast. Uh, <laughs> the Suicide Squad. We'll get into squad. that. <laughs> yeah, but like the Suicide Squad um, and Wonder Woman and a bunch of the DC movies. So mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan, especially of the, DV, uh, the DC universe. And I was just like, oh my gosh, you did the Suicide Squad. I I still want you to do my stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then I worked in production a little bit beforehand and in the TV and film industry. So I started asking my friends about the deal and everything and what they were giving us. And they were like, oh, you should go shop it around. Mm-hmm. Like they could do this with that and they could do this with or without us. Mm-hmm. So I did look into getting an agent. However, the show was sold to Bravo for two seasons already. Wow. So if I go and I try to sell my story, that's competing with that because that's already sold. And there's a chance that if I sell, it could just sit on the 
it could sit on the shelf and not be made at all. So I'm like, okay, I could go about this, maybe try to get some more money from it, or I could literally sign on to this project with what they're giving me and mm-hmm. have something to do with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was appreciative that they included me in my attack. However, I do wish they gave me more money. Yeah. <laughs> that money is like- long gone. <laughs> You're like, I went through this. That would be great to actually see something for that since you're using my story. Yes. Yeah, for sure. You know. And- yeah. That brings us to the Survivor Squad that you mentioned. You have a podcast. I'm so excited. I know you and I have talked on the side about this, but for listeners that don't know yet, this is going to be just mind-blowing for me. I think this is going to help so many individuals that have gone through trauma because I feel like when you go through a traumatic experience, it's almost from the society's point of view of don't complain, stay silent, work through your emotions, work through your feelings. And then all of a sudden, you know, poof, you're, you're better. And it's not how it goes. So give us some, uh, give us some information. I'm super excited about your podcast. Me too. I'm really excited because we just actually released the trailer today on Apple. So Mm -hmm. if you guys feel like giving it a review, subscribing to it, anything that just helps build the algorithm. And even with, you know, this podcast Mm -hmm. as well, do it too. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) While you're at it, you know. Um, So I'm super excited because Collier, my partner, he is a survivor. He was 11 years old when his mom was murdered by his father. He overheard the murder and later then put evidence together and essentially took his dad down in court at the age of 12. Um, And that's like probably a horrible synopsis. I probably don't do it justice whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) but um that's like my synopsis of it yeah (laughs) and we have on amazing guests like the other day we just interviewed with kim goldman her brother ron goldman was murdered by oj simpson along with nicole and so that's a really interesting story because i mean i don't i've never met a person that hasn't heard of that story yeah And I grew up hearing about that story, thinking I was probably a little bit more involved in it than I thought. Mm -hmm. Same. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and so, you know, you grow up with this and you feel so close, but you don't know anything about what happened. Like, I Mm -hmm. mean, her brother was a nice guy that Nicole left her sunglasses behind. She called the restaurant. He came and tried to give her the sunglasses and her to altercation and that's how he gets killed mm-hmm. like he wasn't in a romantic relationship with her like like the media makes it out to be yeah. and we also interview Rita Isabel her brother was murdered by Jeffrey Dahmer and she didn't have anything to do with that Netflix series whatsoever and just sees it on the television one day and it's funny because actually both of those people have uh, stuff by Ryan Murphy. <laughs> so <laughs> Ryan Murphy. Hmm. <laughs> and it's unfortunate because those programs are very great done production wise. Mm-hmm. Yet, and I even have friends that work on worked on the OJ versus the people or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy how the victims, how the survivors are not involved, how the family members are not involved 
Yeah. And these people are able to just like publish this. And then one day we see this, like even I watch TV and I'm watching a show and like a random show will be like, Oh, um, be careful about that dirty John. And I'm like, Oh, that's my attacker. You're like, Oh, thank you. And like we said in the beginning, it takes you back to that moment. You know, you're taken back in little, you know, even just like you said, a commercial can come up or a clip can come up and it takes you right back to that moment. And that's what trauma really is about is you are affected in so many ways and you have so many triggers that you may not even know is a trigger anymore, or it could be a new one. It's so heart wrenching to me, especially when I saw, you know, all of the, the Netflix coming out with Jeffrey Dahmer. It's, it's almost making the perpetrator in this spectacular light and then just casting shadows on the victims. And I feel like that's what so many of these production shows are doing. It's making a traumatic moment with the victim seem not as important and focusing on what happened with the person that we don't need to be giving them a gold star. We don't need to be, you know, focusing on them with a flashlight and a spotlight. So I think it's very degrading and it's so hard to actually be able to continue forward in your growth of going through trauma when, like you said, all of these things just keep popping up every which way when it comes to production. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's, it's just insane because I'm not the only one out there and Mm -hmm. I'm not the only one experiencing this. It's like, like the Boston Strangler, there was a show that came out about that. One of the victims was like, what? You mm-hmm. know, and I, we all talk. We all yeah. are connected somehow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So with the new trailer being out today on Apple, like she said, go give it a listen, go give it a review. It helps that algorithm, but it also supports the victims. And I love that you are allowing a podcast and the space and a voice for victims to speak up in what they're comfortable sharing. I feel like, especially having you on when we talked before, I always provide a platform for you to give your story that you're comfortable with. If you're listening to this, you're like, oh, I've seen this article. I've watched this show. You only know what the media is projecting. You do not know the victim. You don't know the feelings. You don't know what they've gone through and all the hard work like yourself that you're putting into your life. This is your real life. This isn't a story. This isn't a script. This isn't something for entertainment. So if you're listening to this and you have somebody in your life that has gone through a traumatic experience, it's important to let go of the story and focus on the individual and the process of healing because it's so important, especially with mental health. We talk about on this podcast all the time, traumatic experiences really are detrimental to your mental health and they last for a lifetime. Yeah, 100%. So if we have a listener right now that may have gone through a traumatic experience, they're not comfortable talking about it, they're scared, they don't know really what ways to turn, what advice would you give them from just really, you know, from your personal experience to maybe healing and what options are best out there? I think it's best to confide in someone that's safe. Because if you hold it in and you're not letting it out, it's going to stay stuck in there. And Mm -hmm. you forever aren't going to be able to process it. And, you know, people may think I'm, like, talking about my trauma too much or, like, but here's the thing. I talk about certain parts. Like, I talked about everything in this episode did not Mm -hmm. trigger me whatsoever. And, Mm -hmm. like, think about for you even to say your story, like you could get to the place where I'm at today or a better place or your own personal space. That's your own good, you know, because healing is not linear. And I think it's just starting to talk about it with a safe person. 
I agree. Well, I'm really glad that you came on today's episode and shared your life story and it's very personable to you. I think that you are incredibly strong. I think that your podcast is going to change so many lives, not just from the listeners, but like you said, even the victims having a chance to tell their story, to get it off their chest, to feel comfortable, to have that safe space and to really be heard and listened to. There's a huge difference nowadays of someone listening to you and somebody really hearing what you have to say. So I think you're incredible, not just because we share the same last name. I don't even know where that connection is, (laughs) but I think you are just so fantastic of taking what could have ruined your life and you've changed it to help and change other people in the process. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Little Bit of Life. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow today's episode on your favorite listening platform and share these stories to more that need to be in the know. Get in on the action with the podcast Facebook and follow the little adventures on Instagram at little cute one AZ. I'll catch you on the next episode.